Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, as tuning in to our friends online around the world. We appreciate you all joining us as well. We're excited to welcome author John McNellis to our program today. John's written a great book, had a chance to read, called O'Brien's Law. We're going to talk to him not only about the main character, Michael O'Brien, but also what it's like for him to build the storyline around Michael. I think the antics of Michael that makes him relatable, but also funny uh, for readers to be able to enjoy. And also, if we may be seeing more of Michael in the future, we'll talk to John about that as well. John, thank you so much again for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Cyrus. My pleasure. Happy to be with you this afternoon. Well, John, this this book is really a lot of fun to read, and I think these days we could use a little bit of something that's a little bit more lighthearted, but also definitely keeps us engaged. What is it been like for you to see the way that people are responding to Michael O'Brien in the book? Uh, It's been really gratifying. You know, this is my – I have written uh, um, nonfiction and done reasonably well Mm -hmm. with that, but this was my first novel, and and I'll be honest with you, I I was – terrified that that <laughs> i liked it but you know this is why so many bad movies and uh, particularly bad comedies are made you write something and you rewrite it and you rewrite it and you rewrite it and after a while uh, you think it's good but you just don't know you know you've, you're too close to it it's like staring really up next to a wall but uh, yeah, the the reception has been great uh, people like it and, and like you say that the Michael O'Brien character, whose nickname is Flipper, is is, uh, is resonating. The people find him because he's he's arrogant, he's cocky, he, he's way overconfident, but he's also charming and he's got a good heart and he, he just keeps screwing up. <laughs> but he, hopefully, he finds his way. Right, and 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 that to me, honestly, John, is what makes the book so much fun. I think for me, when I'm reading a book, especially one that is a thriller, right? I mean, you, it's very hard to connect uh, with a perfect, you know, uh, protagonist or a main character that seems unrelatable. Michael, with all of his flaws, I think that makes him even more relatable. Is that kind of one of the things that, that you're hearing as well? That the fact that he is this this guy that. You know, you think, okay, how is he ever going to even make it through life, let alone be able to solve a, <laughs> you know, a yeah. case? Is that is that part of what you're hearing that readers like about it? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, it, you know, that's a good point. You know, if you and I read a, a mystery novel and the hero never sleeps, never eats, and, and you know, he he just and he beats everybody up. You know, that 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 gets old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, if, uh, um, O'Brien is. is you know, he's he's a mashup of, of lots of characters of people I've known, but yeah, I, I've kind of fallen in love with him myself. He's, he's like yeah. my wayward son, if you will. But gotcha. uh, people do like him. Uh, uh, so let's talk about the time. You know, that was one thing that kind of surprised me uh, when the book was first pitched to me, uh, John. How did you decide where you wanted to bring Michael's story to life? Okay, well. Cyrus, you're talking to a pretty lazy guy. <laughs> and, 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 like, 
And so just like, you know, the, the, this isn't revealing, revealing anything about the book, that Michael's a young lawyer who hates mm-hmm. to read and hates to do research, now, and, and he hates to write. So, uh, now, I, I've always liked to write, but uh, not, I've never been keen on doing research. I was a young lawyer in the 70s in San Francisco, so what – by setting it in San Francisco during the 70s, I was able to do it from memory and not to have to do research. Uh-huh, and also, I and I was a kid then, and San Francisco was just alive and vibrant, and just it had, you know, the the, the what was it? The Summer of Love was in 1967, but it still had that whole Haight Ashbury hippie thing. It had all kinds of music going. Uh, it it just seemed like it had endless possibilities then. And, and I have to tell you, it's, it's all over the national news. San Francisco has had a rough go the last couple of years, uh, yeah. one thing after another. And so a lot of people, the, the readers here on the West Coast, and, and I'm, I'm based uh, on the peninsula south of, of San Francisco, have, are saying, and this is totally unintentional, they saying, John, the real star of this story is San Francisco. It, it's kind of a yeah. love letter to the city. And, yeah. and that wasn't intentional, but I, I, I like that. What the hell? That, 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 that's fun. Yeah. I, I, you know what? And I, that, that's kind of what I felt as well. I felt that same thing, John, that, that really I think that the, the city really helps the story, but also is a big part of the story, and especially when we talk about change and evolution, because I do want to say in talking around this, John, we see a change in evolution in Michael as well in some ways, right? Oh sure, <laughs> as he keeps getting his ass kicked. Can I say that on radio? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he he isn't. He, he's smart enough. He's just lazy. But you know, mm-hmm. as he loses with with the girlfriends, and as he loses in court, and you know, he he does gradually learn, and and hopefully he's he's improving. And uh, I think, you know, what it, really what it is, Cyrus. It, uh, it's a thriller, it's a rom-com, uh, and it's a comedy, but it's really a coming-of-age story. So th- this is a young guy who, who uh, is a little bit late. You know, he, he's 25, but, but, but he's through all of the trials and travails he goes through, and it's when roughly like a nine-month period, he grows up a lot. He, he's slowly coming of age and, and, and realizing, you know, he's not the champion he hoped to be, but maybe he's not quite as bad either. Yeah. And I think there is an interesting element of life and even faith that shows itself in an interesting way in this book as well. So for yourself, I mean, as you mentioned to our audience here, uh, John, I mean, you know, you have written before, but when it comes to fiction, one of the things we hear a lot of authors are told is to write what you know. So I guess an obvious question would be, you're being an attorney yourself. How much of yourself did you see in Michael? Uh <laughs> that you know, my closest friends realize it's it's a fiction, and they, but they they can see that I took parts of my life in my old my old law firm. Uh, uh, more distant acquaintances are saying, "Hey, McNellis, that's you. <laughs> you know, you're you're, gotcha. you're you're you basically printed your autobiography and, and called <laughs> it a fiction." <laughs> And that that goes back to my laziness, but but again that that it, but by using so many real life details, and and I was exactly like uh, O'Brien, a young lawyer at a fancy law firm in San mm-hmm. Francisco when I was 25, and for totally different reasons, Cyrus, 
I was really unsuited to be a lawyer. Now, obviously, I could write, uh, and I liked reading, but I, I was not cut out to be a lawyer. So that, uh, that experience really helped shape this story. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We're going to get into a lot of the story here in a bit. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, though, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome author John McNellis to our program today. We're talking to John about his newest book, a novel called O'Brien's Law, and you'll notice on the cover it says a romantic thriller, even though there's a lot more in it than the romance. It definitely is, I think, a coming-of-age story in so many ways as well. So, John, let's talk about the, the, the actual um, you know, mystery and thriller part aspect of this. Yes, we have the character that is Michael, who is really larger than life in so many ways, but also there's a situation he finds himself in and, and then trying to find, you know, find his way out of. Talk to us about that. What was it like for you to revisit the courtroom a, as you did in this book? Yeah, that, that was fun. You know, that the the courtroom part of it is actually taken in, in, in small part from some of my actual experiences where just and again i don't think it's revealing too much but michael is thrown in as a brand new lawyer way over his head in a complicated very difficult lawsuit and he's left uh essentially without supervision by the senior partners uh and then he's given a case that everyone thinks is a loser and as he gets into it it starts to unfold that perhaps it's not a loser, but perhaps his client is not who uh, he, he thinks he is. And then I guess I'm getting to the point where I'm going to reveal too much about the plot. But uh... yeah, and, and and I think too as as we see Michael trying to come to grips with everything that's happening inside and outside of the courtroom, dealing with his own personal. Um, safety and you know and threats to himself as well. I think that's where we really see him kind of grow in a lot of ways as well. And I think you know all of us would hope that you know when you know it becomes a literally a matter of life and death that we would kind of realize um, you know the the importance there. Um, and there there's some great characters you kind of gave us to go along with it. One of those who kind of uh, we see with Michael. Is Reed. Talk to us about that. What was it like for you to kind of build out the other characters in this book? Wow, you touched on something nobody else has asked. Uh, so uh, there was in my life a John Reed who, who was a character in the book. And there, there are two characters in that book who were dear friends of mine who have since passed away. And, and since they're, they're no longer around to uh, complain, I, I just wrote them as closely as I could, and it was easier for me, you know, to, to be honest, as closely as I could to their actual selves, you know, making it truly biographical with them. So the, the Reed character is, you know, he's he's a fun, happy-go-lucky guy. Um, in fact, he's, he's too much fun, too happy-go-lucky, and uh, he, let's just say he's not the best influence on uh, Michael O'Brien. He's, he's always trying to get him to put aside his work and go out and party, drink, and chase girls. Uh, but that was a character from <laughs> John Reed was a good friend of mine. Uh, may he rest yeah. in peace. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, again, we get some interesting uh, – we definitely see the relationship that's there, uh, John, but also the seriousness, again, in the conversations as well, something that's come up quite a bit even in the real world, of course, things like attorney-client privilege and, and how even Michael, being Michael, 
realizes the seriousness of the oath he's taken and, and you know, being able to you know, do what he can to protect, you know, what, what his oath is, but also, of course, trying to get to the bottom of, of truth. The last thing I want to talk to you about here, uh, John, is about the idea of truth, because I think you almost play with that in the sense in this book. Talk to us about how you kind of decided what was truth and, and, and what was needed when it comes to truth. Uh, uh, Cyrus, I'm not sure what, where you're going with that. Uh, yeah, so it, with these characters, especially with Michael and what Michael is dealing with, I think that the, the thing that I thought is, you know, how much do you really need to know? You know and, and is the truth the same for everyone? Yeah, I, you, you know, I'd certainly like to think it is, but mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's it's a lot. It, there's a fair bit of perspective involved in it. You know, he the the truth he's as as you read the book as the group it gradually unfolds. He, he learns more and more about what's really going on. He, for example, mm-hmm. he thinks that the, the the senior partner who again this isn't revealing too much, folks. The, the senior partner who would love to get rid of, of Michael, who by the way is from Boston and and he's moved to San Francisco. Uh, he, Michael in the beginning thinks that the, the senior partner uh, John Buckley likes him and doesn't realize that he has it in for him. And so uh, he's he's gradually getting disabused. He's young and he's naive, and he's getting disabused of notions. And he has this one thought, and I think I even put it in the book, that he thinks if he's nice and pleasant to everybody, he will be liked by everybody. And, you know, that's that's only true in business on, on your very first day at a, at a place, and then you know, uh, you know, things have a way of, of evolving away from you on that. Uh, let, let me ask you, um, and again, we can talk around this. I think you know what I'm talking about here, though, John. Is the character's name uh, Romani? It is Romani. Okay, yes, so there, there's a great scene. Yeah, great scene you wrote with Romani and O'Brien, and it kind of is why I alluded to faith earlier, uh, because and this to me played into the whole, whole idea of truth. Um, when Romani was basically saying to uh, to Michael, um, you, you know, it may be time for you to, to basically to get back, you know, get back to some faith here, um, you know, and and I think you know it it is it's an interesting thing the way that you kind of played with that idea of. Of, of faith and truth and realness, I guess, with these characters. Can you kind of talk about that, what that was like for you? Because we have, like, bits of a hymn in the beginning of the book, and then later on this idea of the importance of the crucifix, right, that, that comes up, and especially with that scene with Romani. Talk to us about that, what that was like for you to play with with these characters. Wow, Cyrus. First of all, I've got to say, because I've talked to a lot of people about this book, I'm really impressed with you. Uh, it, the book is a lot more religious and, and a lot more Catholic, basically. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There's faith is so. Uh, he's a fallen away, or he thinks he's a fallen away Catholic, o- O'Brien. But mm-hmm. faith plays a huge part in, in what he does. You know, he, he wears that crucifix all the time, and and, and again, it, as you point out, it, it comes up later. But you know, he's. He's running around. He's chasing girls, uh, you know, which, let's say, let's face it, that's what people did in the 70s <laughs> and, and, and hell. Yeah. That's what they're doing right now. But every time he does, he feels bad about it. He, he's actually, 
he doesn't, and he hasn't quite realized this fully as, as the as the book is unfolding, and even at the end, he still hasn't realized it. But he's actually, in, in, at his heart and soul, he's he's Catholic. He's religious. He's he's a believer. He he doesn't think he is, but you know, if, if he fools around with a girl, then then he feels bad about it. You know, he's slowly finding he's slowly finding his way, but I, I think, and nobody else has picked up on that. It, it is actually a fairly, uh, it, it's humorous, it, it's there, but, you know, there, there's a, a definite religious undercurrent to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he is a believer, but he, he doesn't know that he is, he, again. Yeah. The guy, he, he's, he's more misguided than most of us, and, and he's far more self-deluded than most of us, but some of these self-delusions are, are starting to fall away. And, and John, that is where I, I was kind of also talking about the idea of truth because I think there a lot of times I think about in school, right, where the good guys don't want to be seen as a good guy because it's not seen as being cool. A lot right. of it by the end of the book, I wonder how much is it just Michael doing what he thinks people expect him to do instead of doing what he really would do otherwise. And I think that is an interesting thing for me to kind of think about Um Especially as he's trying to then figure out who people really are, if that makes sense without saying it too much. You know, yeah. I think that, that that is definitely a fun part. So I teased in my introduction something that I don't know the answer to, John. So I have to ask you, when you wrote O'Brien's Law, did you think this was the end of Michael or did you think it was a beginning? Another great question. Uh, part of it – in. Again, Cyrus, it's scary to, to write a novel and, and, and put yourself out there and, and, and see whether anybody reads it and what the reaction is. So part of it was, I'll write it and I'll see how it goes. And, and, and so far, the, the reactions have been very gratifying. Part of it, and, and again, sorry, folks, spoiler alert, it, it has a happy ending. Uh, and you know, the older I get, the more I like happy endings. <laughs> so there, there, there's so much, you know bad news in the world today and like you say the book's supposed to be fun uh, so part of it I, I'm I'm of two minds about it about whether it should be a sequel it, it ends in such a, a nice spot uh, that a, a sequel would, would have to bring uh, Michael and his girlfriend Mary Beth kind of back to earth uh, but I'm tempted to do it but meanwhile uh, I'm finishing another book which is unrelated uh, it, to let's call it the the O'Brien series, so so we'll see. Uh, but I, I am tempted to do it. Wow. Um, well, that gives us something to look forward to. In the meantime, if you have not done so already, definitely pick up O'Brien's Law, a romantic thriller, now through our friends at Amazon.com by John McNellis. John, great conversation with you. Really enjoyed the book. As I said, it's it's a lot of fun. Definitely something I think we need right now something that has some great messages but definitely entertaining uh, to kind of give some people a little bit of, of something to take them away. How can they stay connected with you, John? Well, sure. They could write me, John, at Uh that They can write me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, 
because I do a lot of public speaking, I'm in the real estate world, I'm pretty much all over the Internet, and I don't get that much fan mail, Cyrus. So if, <laughs> if, if, if somebody writes me, I, I will write back personally, I, I promise. Uh, right. Yeah, and it, and it would be fun to hear from your readers. Uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted, and I really appreciate the, this conversation we've had. Uh, well, look, the pleasure is definitely all mine, and looking forward to having you back on the program again. Thank you, Cyrus. More than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.